Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's wonderful to see you all this morning and wonderful for those who are joining us online. Over this past term, we've been looking at a series called Communing with God. That is, we've been looking at how God has revealed himself by his word and how he has revealed himself as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And through the work of God, we have become united with him. The Father sends the Son, who dies and rises again, removing any barriers for us to be back in a relationship with God. The Father and the Son send the Spirit, who highlights the works and words of Jesus, who convicts us of our sin and helps us to put our trust and live our lives for him. We turned our attention then to our response to God, what he has done, our response to the fact that we've been united with God in this way. We've looked at how we are to respond to God by having communion with him. That's how we, how we relate to him. We relate by loving the Father, by trusting in the Son, and by walking in the Spirit. We respond to a, a God who has shown us his great love by loving him. We respond to Jesus who has opened the way for us to be back in a right relationship with God by putting our trust in him. And we keep in step with the Spirit by walking with him and rejecting the desires of this world. Now, as I sum up uh, this series in just a few sentences, we can see that it's been quite a large topic and we've looked at many deep things over the past few weeks. If you've missed the talks, the wonderful thing about the times that we live in is they're all on the YouTube, and you can go back and watch them. But as we finish up this series, today I'd like to challenge us and encourage us. We've set the foundation, we've, we've got a firm basis for how we are united with God, how we commune with Him. But now I want to challenge and encourage you as to whether this is a reality for you in your life. But the first question I want to ask you this morning is, what do you delight in the most? How can you tell what a person delights in the most? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious, isn't it? It's what you spend the most amount of your time, your energy, and your money upon. If that's not the case, if you're not spending the most of your time, money, and energy on things that you don't delight in, uh, then you're either wasting your time or you're being utterly foolish. You're showing to others what is not actually true in your life. Now, for an Olympian, for an example, their main aim, their greatest desire and passion is to win a gold medal. 
This is what they spend their life doing, their money doing. They practice, they push themselves harder to win uh, that, that prize. Now, as I, I went to school with a guy called Matt Dunn who trained really hard for the Olympics and he used to not come out to parties. He used to not do things that we would do because he was pushing himself in order to win at the Olympics and he did uh, win at uh, the Olympics. He went to the 2000 Olympics and did quite well. And I always thought to myself, this guy is wasting his life. I mean, is a gold medal worth it? Well, uh, this lady called Shelley Oates-Wilding, who was an Olympic sprint canoeist, said this in 2000. She said, you don't give up anything you want to be an Olympian because being an Olympian is exactly what you want. And the challenge, I think, for us as Christians is this the same. What is the mark of our delight? What do we spend the most amount of our time our money and our energy doing. Well, today I want to challenge us um, uh, as to uh, a bit more to what we've seen over the past few weeks as to whether we delight most of all in our relationship with God in knowing God as Trinity. Uh, And if not, why we should and how we can. Uh, But how about I pray that God's Spirit will enlighten us to God's Word as we come and look at it this morning. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you that you have taught us about how we can be united with you and how we can commune with you through your word. Teach us now, we pray, as to why we should delight in you, how we can delight in you, and how we can show the whole world that you are our greatest delight. Help me, Heavenly Father, to be faithful and help me to be a good carrier pigeon of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, if you can have your Bibles open on the device, it would be helpful to have it open at that passage that was just read out before. Uh, But the first thing that we'll look at today is why we should delight in the Trinity. And first and foremost, we should delight in the Trinity as this is what the Trinity does. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit set the example of how they delight in each other, and none more so than that passage that was just read out before. Uh, If you've got it there, look at Matthew chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 16 to 17. And in this passage, we see the baptism of Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist has publicly identified him as the Son of God. uh, And now we also hear verbal confirmation of God the Father, who tells us how he feels about the Son. And notice that he delights in the Son. He says, this is my Son. You could almost imagine him pointing down at Jesus and saying, it's this one. This is the guy. This is my Son, whom I love with whom I am well pleased. You see, God delights in the Son. He loves him, and he wants the whole world to know that this is his Son in whom he is well pleased. Now, Jesus feels the same way about the Father. If we jump to John chapter 14, verse 31, you don't have to, it's up on the screen. This is what Jesus says here. He says, the world must learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. You see, the Father loves the Son. We see that in the first passage. The Father delights in the Son, and in return, the Son loves the Father and delights in Him. It brings uh, brings up this image in my mind of two guys standing each other saying, I love you, man, and the other one going, no, I love you, man. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, a few wasted Hollywood movies uh, from my youth. But the delight that the, lo- that the, the Father and the love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father is so much greater than this. And Jesus tells, he expresses his love by his obedience. He does what the Father uh, tells him to do because he loves the Father and he knows that the Father only tells him what to do out of love for him. 
Could you imagine that? Imagine having children that did exactly what you said, were obedient in this way. I see a few people chuckling under their masks. Uh, We don't see it, but this is what we see in the relationship with the father and the son. They delight in one another. Yet we also see that the spirit feels the same way about the father and the son. Notice uh, from this passage in John 3, uh, verse, John 16, verses 13 to 14, Jesus says this about the Spirit. He will not speak his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he tells you what is to come. He will bring glory to me. You see, the Spirit will bring glory to Jesus and speak what Jesus and the Father tells him to speak because the Spirit loves Jesus and delights in telling people about Jesus and showing people who Jesus is. Uh, last week, Chris Edwards, uh, Bishop Chris Edwards, spoke about how humble the Spirit is. He doesn't bring glory to himself. The Spirit's job is all about pointing to the Father and the Son. Uh, there's a term coined by people to describe someone who are always talking about Jesus. You may have heard it before. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's Jesus freak. Have you heard of someone who's a Jesus freak? Uh, but these people are nothing compared to the love that the Holy Spirit has for Jesus. He longs to show you Jesus. He longs to, for you to understand who Jesus is all the time and, and help you to hear the words of Jesus and know what they mean for your life. In fact, the Holy Spirit's bought all the merchandise about Jesus. He's the number one fan of Jesus because he delights in him so much. I have to admit, I'm not a very good follower of a sports team. Uh, I, I've never really been committed to a rugby league team. But since coming back to uh, Sydney from Shell Harbour about 10 years ago, I've started to support the Roosters. Does anyone else support the Roosters here? I'm Oh, one. Oh, one. I feel like I'm really on my own. But I'm a hopeless supporter. I don't know the majority of players. I've, I've got a cap. I've got a shirt. But, you know, you'd have to try pretty hard to really find out whether I'm actually a supporter of them. But when it comes to the Spirit and his love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and his desire for people to know the Lord Jesus Christ, he really wants to sing about who Jesus is. The minute the Spirit starts to work in your heart, he is turning on the floodlights to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the Father. The question becomes for us, since we're united with the Trinity, as we've been seeing over the last few weeks we are, since we are united to the Trinity, Do we delight in the Trinity? Should we delight in the Trinity in the way that they delight in each other? And the answer is yes, absolutely. If we're united with those who delight in each other in this way, we should also delight in them. I mean, it almost seems odd that I need to say this, doesn't it? But if we've been saved by the Father uh, who sent the Son and the Spirit to rescue us from from an eternity without him, The answer is, of course, yes, we should delight in what the Trinity has done for us. It it really would be like asking two newlyweds, do you really love one another? (laughs) The answer is yes, of course. I, I think newlyweds is actually a really great illustration of what I'm trying to explain here. You see, when two people get married, they become united with one another, just like we're united with the Trinity. And as a result of being united with one another, they delight in one another. They've become united with one another. They they talk with one another. They spend time with one another. Uh, Remember I talked about what's the mark of your delight? Think about a a young married couple. They spend money on each other. They spend time with each other. They're focused on each other. And friends, this is what it should be like between us and God. We should long to be with God. 
long to be in his word, long to be walking with him, keeping in step with the Spirit. We should delight in talking about him and, and speak about him like we're in a personal relationship with him because you know what we are. We should speak about how our lives are changed about him because you know what they are. We should speak about the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father and the Spirit, as if they are the greatest love of our life. Why? Because they have saved us. And they have given us this wonderful gift of eternal life, given us life to the full here on earth right now, but also life in the world to come. So the answer is yes, isn't it? Yes, of course we should delight in the Trinity. And so I want to suggest four ways in which we can do this. The first mark of someone who delights in the Trinity is obedience to the teachings of God. This is how Jesus says he delights in the Father. Remember the words that he said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I've commanded. We're to obey what Jesus teaches us throughout the Bible. Jesus commands us that we, uh, what, it, what it's like to, to uh, live this life. Uh, we, we don't need to be following the magazines of, of this age, the news of this time, the radio waves or the TV ads that all really pelt us. They attack us with information, don't they? That's the, uh, an advertiser's goal, to really make sure you, you hear and, and understand their message that's coming across. The world says, put your trust in stocks, put your trust in insurance, put your trust in your job, put your trust in, in, in housing, put your trust in governments, put your trust in money, put your trust even in yourself. But friends, these things will come and go like the wind. But 1 Peter says, the word of the Lord will stand forever. Friends, we need to be obedient to God's word first and foremost in this world. That means we need to read it, we need to get to know it, we need to hear it more more than we hear the message of this world. That's a good challenge for us, isn't it, friends? Reflect on your own life. What are you hearing most in this world? Are you hearing the message from the Trinity or are you hearing the message of the world? The first mark I want to highlight of a Christian who delights in the Trinity is one who is obedient to God. The second mark that I'd like to highlight of a Christian who delights in the Trinity is someone who is other person-centered. This is the way that the Trinity acts, and so this is the way that we should act. Uh, the Father, Son, and the Spirit are completely satisfied with themselves, and, and out of their love for each other, it overflows to us. They are completely other person-centered. John says this in uh, Jesus says this. Sorry, in John thirteen thirty-four, a new commandment I give to you: love one another, uh, as I have loved you. Love one another. How has Jesus loved us? He's loved us with a sacrificial love. Jesus gave up his life for us. And so we must be giving up our lives for each other. Jesus says, this is how people will know you are my disciple. The mark of a disciple is someone who is loving each other like Jesus has loved. Now, this doesn't mean loving your own way or loving the way that the world tells us to love. Because this love often comes from a selfish point of view, a self-centered point of view. Jesus wants us to love sacrificially, meaning we may have to stop doing something to please ourselves in order to love another person. We might have to do something that is hard for us to do in order to love another person. I've been here at St. Andrews for just over a year now, and one of the greatest delights that I have seen is watching how people from this church here do serve each other sacrificially. 
uh, when someone's sick, we're taking around a meal, we're looking for ways of supporting them. When someone's hurting, people turn to prayer. When someone can't do something for someone else, other people step in. And friends, it's a real pleasure to see this happening here at church. People in the world don't do this. They don't make meals for uh, others when, when people are sick. Uh, I remember once Heather and I took a meal over to uh, a, a family that wasn't from church who were really struggling. Uh, they had a newborn baby and they were really struggling and they were completely stunned. We cannot believe that you would do this for us. But friends, this is the difference that following Jesus makes. But friends, while there are some good things here at St. Andrews, we always need to be thinking how we can be doing this even better. Uh, In response to my purpose statement for St. Andrews of growing disciples of Jesus Christ, many people have said, how can we be more involved, which is really wonderful. And so my plan is to send out this week an email to the whole church uh, with areas that you can serve in right here and right now. But the aim is to continue this discussion of areas that we can serve in over the year. Uh, So don't overcommit now. Get involved now, but don't overcommit because there's going to be even more that we can do throughout the year. But let me, friends, encourage you to have this mindset, this change in mindset, or continue in the way that you are living to follow this command of Jesus, to love one another, to be other person-centered in all that you do. The second mark of a Christian who delights in the Trinity is one who is other person-centered. Well, the third mark of a Christian who delights in the Trinity is one who is involved in his mission. A few weeks ago, we saw that God's plan is to bring all things under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The mission of God is to make the name of the Lord Jesus Christ known and glorified in the whole world. In fact, the passage that we looked at today shows God on mission, sending his son, identifying who his son is and having the spirit descend on him. It's like the Trinity was commissioning Jesus right then and there for the mission that he had to go and do. The mission continued through the disciples as Jesus commanded them in Matthew 28. And this mission has continued throughout the church over the years. And it's been passed on to you and I, hasn't it? To live lives that proclaim Jesus either by word or action. It's simply part of being being a Christian. If you're obedient to the words of Jesus, if you're being other person-centered, your life will look very different to those around The fact that you are a Christian will shine from you. You don't even need to speak the words. I have a friend of mine who worked for Ford. Uh, He was a fitter and turner, and he became a Christian because the guy that he worked with didn't say a word to him about Christianity, but the way that he lived made him ask questions. Friends, are we having people ask questions as to the way that we are living? You couldn't have painted it any clearer on a T-shirt that he was a Christian, but it was by the way that he lived and that he was different from those around. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6, we're reminded of this, aren't we? Be wise in the way that we act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And if it opens up the conversation, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Paul is reminding the Colossians that how we act matters. It's like a signpost to those who are around us. Friends, if I was watching your life, what would it say? What would it say about your greatest delight? What would your actions and your words tell me about you? Friends, Jesus loves the world and wants to see all people saved. And the overflow of this, the overflow of the love of the Trinity is seen in that he wants us to be on mission with him. And the mark of a Christian who delights in the Trinity 
is one who is involved in his mission. Finally, friends, the mark of a Christian who delights in the Trinity is one who is identifiable as a follower of the Trinity. Uh, I want to focus on Matthew 28, these words here that say, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. You see, to be baptized is to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, to stand up. Remember last week, uh, you might not have seen at the 6.30 service, we had those confirmees standing up and saying, I want to follow Jesus all my life. And, and we identified who they were because they stood up um, and, and, and proclaimed, I will follow Jesus. I do want to follow Jesus. Uh, in a similar way, when people are baptized, the question becomes, who's the one that wants to follow Jesus? It's that person who's wet from, from head to toe. Uh, that's what baptism is. It's an identification marker that they're going to follow Jesus. But it, it's not a one-off event, isn't it? This happens every day of our life. We need to be living for the Lord Jesus. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was the kings who were, were anointed uh, with oil from head to toe. But look closely at the passage. The baptism is a Trinitarian baptism. It's not just into the name of Jesus or into the name of the Father or into the name of the Spirit. It's all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This means we're to identify ourselves as followers of the Trinity, not just one or the other. Otherwise, we're not following God properly. Some people want to highlight Jesus' work more. Some people want to leave the Father out altogether, while others want to talk up the the Spirit as the most important part of the Godhead. But the passage simply doesn't allow for that to happen. Rather, we need to be identified with the Trinity. And notice what God says to us in Matthew 10 here. He says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me from men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Friends, we are to stand up for God, aren't we? In front of people, no matter what the consequences. Just like Jesus will stand before the Father in heaven, identifying those who have done the same here on earth. Friends, we need to hear these words and be reminded of them and let them sink into our lives. Because the final mark that I want to look at this morning of a Christian who delights in the Trinity is this, one who identifies themselves as a follower of him. Well, friends, let me conclude by asking the original question that I started off with this morning. What is the mark of your delight? If I was to ask your closest friend, your closest family member, what you delight in the most, what would they say? Friends, we have good reason, don't we, to delight in our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to delight in Him above anything else in this world. But what do we need to change about our lives in order to show this? What do we need to change about our lives in order to live this way? Well, friends, let me urge you to go from this whole series, not just from this talk today, but from this whole series, with the head knowledge of all that God has done for us, all that the Trinity has gone for us in in the way that he has united us with him, in the way that we commune with him. And let me encourage you to no longer live for yourself, but live for him who died and rose again. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us in the Trinity. We thank you for the wonderful blessing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us to be those who respond appropriately by living our lives for you, by identifying ourselves as followers of you, by being mission on mission for you, by loving you, and that this is seen in the way that we act and the way that we speak. Father, we need your Spirit to help us to live this way. 
We pray this in Jesus' name.